0: Hey everybody, thank you guys for joining us. I think that we're all a bit zoomed out, but there's so much still to learn. So thanks for coming back this week to our Everything Screenplays panel. And here we go, Everything Screenplays, what makes a good script, uh, what makes one marketable, and everything in between. I wanna start with our first speaker, the super nerdy, which I recently found out makes me very happy, Anna Levine, she is the senior, Man, a uh, senior marketing curation. I'm saying this wrong. Senior manager curation for Dust. She has this fancy title that you know she's gonna have to explain that all to us. Um, and she does, she does acquisitions for Gunpowder and Sky. And there she is. Oh. I screwed it up. I wrote it down and I still screwed it up. That, that's okay. <laughs> um, so I'm Anna, um, senior manager
1: curation for Dust. Um, so in addition to to doing that, um, you know, I do work for. Or Gunpowder and Sky, which is the large company that owns uh, Dust. Um, so uh, Dust is a sci-fi short film channel. So I'm in charge of getting all of the short films that are that are on the channel um, and working with our other curators to to figure out um, all the best shorts and then taking those shorts and identifying which ones can potentially have larger potential and working with the filmmakers to bring them to a larger state. Um, in addition to that, I produce independently and uh, just in general love working in the industry. So.
0: We have so many questions for you, um, but really quick, I want to first introduce our next speaker, Camille Tucker. She is one of my future women of television, um, and she is she is just a rock star. She co-wrote this future, uh, feature film called The Clark Sisters: The First Ladies of Gospel. It premiered as the highest-rated lifetime film in four years. It has Emmy buzz, and we have her today, looking all pretty. Hi, tell Thank us about you. more about you that. I know so much about you, I think, at this point that I'm like, well, I could just talk about you all day.
2: No, Thank you, Jen. It's so good to be your sister in the struggle and in film and TV. I've been knocking around this industry for over 15 to 20 years and have seen ups and downs. Um, I've sold a lot of scripts. I've sold scripts to Sony, to New Line, to Disney, um, and I've also... Had some of the frustration of seeing scripts being sold but not getting made so I think I might have something to share here today just to the journey of getting a project made and what's involved in that even just from the writing side and also just kind of rebranding yourself as a writer and uh, also always looking at multiple platforms and ways to continue to just get our work out there and survive and continue to thrive as artists so I'm glad to be here today.
0: Yeah, we're glad to have you. And finally, uh, we have Jeffrey Reddick, who you guys know because anytime you're in your car driving behind some truck that has pointy things short- at your window, you're thinking, I'm gonna die. Thank you, Final Destination, and I've been paranoid ever since. And now he's just finished his first, you, it's your first directorial debut that you've just done, right, Jeffrey? If I got My that correct?
3: Yeah, yes. first feature, so I'm really excited about that.
0: That's awesome. Um, What tell us a little bit about that feature just because I want to we want to get up to date on what your current life is.
3: Yeah, no, it's called Don't Look Back. And it's a mystery thriller with some horror overtones about some people who witness somebody getting assaulted in a park and don't help. And people videotape it and put it online. And the witnesses get outed and then somebody or something starts coming after them. So it's a kind of a mystery. You're not sure if it's a killer, if it's supernatural, but it kind of really speaks to, I think you know, society today where, you know, we pull out our phones and videotape people getting hurt and not helping them. So um, I wanted to do something a little, a little more, you know, mature. I still love killing teenagers on film, but I wanted to do something a little bit more mature this time. Um, And it's going to be coming out in October. So I'm really excited. So
0: that's so awesome. I may not, I will buy it and support, but I don't know if I can watch that. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) Um, and welcome, Kate, one of our other future, sister, uh, future women of TV, she's listening to us. Thanks for supporting us, Kate. Um, okay, so let's just start right off. I would love each of you, or whoever has one, tell us a story of a successful script. Like, I want to know, and I think, you know, obviously, Camille, your recent one is pretty, might be a good one to start with. Um, just why do you think it was successful? Why do you think the Clark sisters, the first lady of gospel, has just hit such a home run?
2: Yeah, I think there's so many factors into a film being successful and some of them, and like going back to William Goldman, like nobody knows anything in this town. It's hard to predict, but obviously if some things come together at the same time, what's going on the zeitgeist socially, politically, culturally, and also the material you have and also the team that's involved. One thing that I think is really cool about the Clark sisters, um, I started on the project in 2005 and we were just pitching it and we tried to pitch it for several years and it didn't sell. At the time, people were like, who's gonna play the lead in this? And they didn't feel that there were black actresses who could put it over the top. So timing and just who's available and who's out there Um, But once Queen Latifah got involved and lent her name to the project, she just happened to be a fan of these gospel singers and she loved them. They came and sang on her show for her birthday and a partnership was born. And a lot of everything kind of started happening at that point. Lifetime was interested. So this may not be helpful for some people, but sometimes that name or that person that can put things over the top or that can open doors and close deals is important. That's not the only thing. When you even think of something like Final Destination or certain projects didn't have any stars attached or whatever, that doesn't always equal the equation. But I do think that that can be important. The other thing is that with um, Black women who were all a part of this film, I wrote the first draft. a woman named Sylvia L. Jones wrote the subsequent drafts after it sold a lifetime as a black woman director. We're in a time where people were saying, hey, we wanna see different voices, we want more inclusion, we want more representation. And that was the team that made up this project as well as the black women producers, um, including Queen Latifah, Mary J. Blige, and Missy Elliott, and Holly Carter, and the actresses. So it was representative of something that people were asking for now um not to mention it happened during the covid shutdown and we had a captive
0: audience <laughs> that's true but i mean who could have predicted that but it was still things? a great film like i remember i wa- i usually put on films in the background while i'm working especially my friends films i'm like i'm going to watch it and yeah. i found myself not wa- working and watching it So I do think that, like, that's a testament that it is a good story and it is great acting. Yeah.
2: Let me say one last thing. I think as a Black woman writing it and someone who has been sort of in and out of church situations, um, organized religion, so to speak, authenticity is a big word that I heard. And I think that the women who contributed to this project spoke from their own experiences and poured that into the Clark sisters fighting against the patriarchy of the church system and the authenticity that you see in each one of those actresses and their parts in the script. So I would say one key word would be authenticity.
0: Jeffrey, she mentioned Final Destination, which I think it did take the whole horror genre by storm. Um, And then they made like a million more after that. Yeah,
3: they they only made five. I wish a million. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I'm sure there's more to come at some point.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the reason that that one struck a chord um, was because it dealt with a universal theme. You know, everybody's afraid of death. Um, We had a hard time, I mean, I worked at New Line Cinema. I worked there for 19 years and I had a hard time selling it there with some producers that had a first look deal there because they were like, we don't understand how you can have death, like they can't fight it. I'm like, that's the whole point but they're like, yeah, but you can't have them, you don't have a on. And that's the whole point. And then it's like, well, we're going to take it to Miramax if you, and they're like, we'll buy it. So it was really, <laughs> it was really, you know, it was something different. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it really struck a universal chord and because we kept death um, invisible. So you didn't really, you know, tie any cultural or like specific religious, you know, imagery yeah. to it. It translated around the world. And, You know, I think when when, when writing stories, I think authenticity is so important because a writer's voice, you know, your specific voice and your life experiences are what makes you special and make your writing special. Um, But also if you tell stories, if there's any kind of human connection, because we're we're all human beings at the end of the day. So any human thread that you have in your story, it's going to connect with other people. So it's not really, you know, you can't try too hard to chase like, the great like logline that's going to snatch people's attention. I think it's really writing a story that you're passionate about, but keeping in mind like, you know, we, we all have the same needs, the wants, the fears. So if you really bring that authenticity, like she said, to the to the table, in um, those themes, I think that that's kind of the key to having a script that will touch people.
0: I want to dive into that more later in a sec- in a second. Um, the really quick, I want to hear from Anna. Can you what? When it comes to what your job is in actually acquiring a film, whether it's a script form or a finished film, what is it that stands out for you that makes you feel like, I have to buy this?
1: I mean, a lot of it is uh, creativity and uniqueness. You know, like if it's uh, a lot of what we take is, is sci-fi and we have a star horror channel. And, you know, you want things that, that the themes are obviously always going to be familiar, but you want that unique take on it. Um, and, and so it's really important to like have like, you know, unique characters and unique looks and unique visions. Um, The other thing is that that you want to make sure that the person writing it you know, has really written it for the format that they're writing it for. You know, Before I was with uh, Dust and Gunpowder, I was doing a lot of work in the digital space. And you, know, you want to make sure that the people writing for that know that they're writing for short content for online. You know? And when you're, when you're writing stuff for features, you want to make sure that the person understands that it's not just stretching out a short, like a short film to, to be a two-hour film. It's you're actually writing it to be a two-hour feature film.
0: That's actually a question I have um, that I was going to ask you guys later, but let's—I want to ask it now. Then, for all of you, because I know Camille teaches screenwriting, uh, Jeffrey, you've been writing forever. Anna, you've been—you know—doing this forever. One of the questions I'm always asked is, how do you know if it's a TV show, if it's a feature, if it's a short film? Because I love that you said like, you don't want to take a short film and stretch it out to be a feature, which I think sometimes people do. They may want to take that on. Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, it. You really want to know that that you have that world built, you know, um, if if you've really thought about like what the world is and how how expansive you can make the story, because you know sometimes it's it is a story and and it just really you you're able to contain it in 15 minutes and there isn't much more to it, but if you've really thought about what the world is and you know if there are it doesn't mean you have to focus on the characters that you wrote a short for, you know, like there, there might be other characters to focus on, but with the same theme and the same world that could be a much larger story. It could be a lot of interconnecting stories, but it's, it's just really thinking about that, that larger world and, you know, um, thinking, thinking it through and knowing like who the characters are, how they interact and, and the best way for, for it to like
3: speak to the audience, what length you need to do that.
0: Yeah, Jeffrey, have you you've written shorts? I'm assuming in between. Yeah, figures. I've
3: written shorts um, and, and worked in um, TV and and film, and I think that. I think I think really your story kind of dictates what it is. I mean, the thing with with the feature is, you know, you can tell a complete story in a feature, and if you want a franchise, you can always leave a you know an opening to do a sequel. For television, the focus is so much on characters. Um in arcs and stories, and you know you have you know anywhere from eight, which is what's going on a lot now with the online services and the you know the short form kind of series. Um, eight season episodes or ten season episodes, but sometimes you'll have a, if it's a network, it'll be a twenty two episode season. So you have to have enough you have to have a format set up that can hold that, you know, keep that formula going like a law and order format or a, or any kind of series gotcha. has, a, has a structure that can hold up for five five years maybe. So TV's a lot, you know, you've got to have a lot of story that you want to tell on TV, but you know, I think features are probably a lot easier to do. And sh- I think shorts are a great way to start, you know, if you want, especially if you want to write direct, if you want to produce, I think shorts are a great way to start, you know, to hone your craft and really get your craft going. But if, if you're going to write something for TV, you need to understand you have to build a Bible, explain how it's, you know, how it's going to play out, how this can play out for five years. And if, you know, if you don't really have that much you know material in like a world like anna said created um you know just write a feature
0: yeah um i think we've lost camille so hopefully she jo- tries to join back in uh but on that same note um and by all means either of you answer uh
3: now she is says back. i am back i am back <laughs> but where
0: are you <laughs> <laughs> while well, we figure out where she is um how do you know if your script is even worth writing because you know I'll have 10 different ideas in a day and then one has haunted me for like eight years so I'm like maybe I should finally sit down and write that but like how do you know it's worth it
3: that's um you know that's a that's a personal question (laughs) (laughs) um you know there are times when I've written things that I wasn't passionate about but I wanted a writing gig and i needed health insurance not to be tacky and hey, i still no. I, I still brought my a game to that you know i still gave it my all. like so anything i commit to i commit i commit to doing it um but if you have that idea that just the one that keeps haunting you um you of, yeah girl the universe is telling you to like write it
0: <laughs> the character get it, it out and,
3: you know, we always, you know, you can't worry about the end game necessarily. Like if you're going to spend time working on a script, yes, you want to outline it and have a, have a goal in line, but we put so much pressure on ourselves. Like this idea has to, you know, I go, I was under so much pressure after final destination, like bring us the next final destination. I'm like, Oh yeah, I just pull those out of my ass every, <laughs> sorry, out of my butt every day. But then I would do that and they'd be like, that's too much like final destination. So then you, you know, you start getting this pressure on yourself. Yeah. And then so you have to get to a point where you're like, let me just write something that I would wanna see, that I enjoy, that I would have fun writing. Because it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. You know, it's a fun process. And- well,
0: and I love it goes back to you and Anna both mentioned you know, finding your voice and having a unique voice. And I think sometimes we chase the audience too much mm-hmm. when we're writing. And anytime I've done that, where I've had to like write for what somebody's need was, I don't think it was ever as good as, here's something from my heart. You know, even if even if someone else doesn't think that one from the heart is as good, it's like we love it more. Like we can get behind it more because you have to be passionate when you're pitching it. You have to be passionate to go through the years of suffering it takes to get it made. Yeah,
1: I I I generally tell tell filmmakers, you know, when they're when they're writing their scripts, you know, in that in that first draft, just go balls to the wall. Like just go all out in the first draft because you can always rein it in. You know, Uh, just but like put it all out there in in your best form, like the thing that you want to write first and then allow notes to come in and, and take those notes seriously, but allow them to come in to help you to rein it to where it needs to be.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And I would just like to add to that, you know, we have a lot of stories within our own lives. Like we are trying to find our voice. And sometimes as you guys as you guys all mentioned, like you're chasing the audience as opposed to not only looking within, but looking at people around. There sometimes have been certain scripts or stories that started with like a crazy person and relative or person in my life. I'm like, that character first. And then the story kind of expands from there. That would be interesting, you know, or this real life thing happened. You know, truth is stranger than fiction. Some real life family stories or stories that we know of people around us are the, the seed for what could become a great scripture story. But I do want to add something that I think helps, because I also teach screenwriting and I tell my students this, you know, pitch your story to close and trusted friends, like not, not just, I mean, well, actually pitch it to both people in the industry and out of the industry, you know, do a little three minutes and here's my story. Once upon a time there was, engage the interest. Um, And not that that's the final say-so on what you do, but are people intrigued? Are they leaning forward? Do they want to know more? Do they want to know what happens next to the character? And if it's not quite there yet, that may tell you where you need to either do some work on the story that you have, or sometimes it's one, I have a lot of things like put it aside for a second, work on something else, come back to it. Maybe some fresh perspective will come a little bit later. So that's been helpful for me.
0: You know, so right now I have a script that I love that I'm not a writer. I don't claim to be a writer. I'm a director, whatever. But I did write a script that I love because it's the kind of movie I want to make. It's been sitting in the, in the uh, files for probably three years now, because I have no idea how to do the rewrite. So (laughs) can you guys, and Reginald would also like to know, can we, can you speak to your uh, process on rewriting and do you have any tips, especially for newer writers who it's, I think writing the first script is easier than the re- doing the rewrite.
3: Thoughts? That's rare. <laughs> no, I, I know, that's the advice we always give is like, yeah, just like Anna said, just get that first draft out because you're gonna spend so much time rewriting it. Whereas a lot of us, and I still find myself do it, doing this, I'll start writing a script, but I'll keep going back and revising what I did and then moving forward and then I burn myself out. So I've, I've kind of quit, almost quit doing that. Um, But I'll let um, Camille speak to the rewrite stuff first because I'd be yakking.
2: Okay, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think that we all need um, to learn not only how to give notes or give critique to people, but also how to receive notes and receive critique. Um, As it's been mentioned before, you don't want to lose your original voice. And what I've been trying to work on the last few years is interpreting notes. Like if someone goes, you know, that character is getting on my nerves. That doesn't necessarily mean my character's bad. It means there's something about the way I've developed that character that the reader is not responding to. So that makes me go back and say, okay, maybe I need to do a little bit more digging and answer some more questions about this character so that I know the character better, so that I know what they will do or will not do, and that I have a complete character makeup. Um, If there's a certain scene or something like that, I try to see what is the note beneath the note. What is really bothering them or causing them to bump up against this thing? And I think that's what we all need to do. When I get notes, sometimes I just take them and I sit and I let it digest for a second and just read it and then just put it aside and really think about what the person said because I'm trying to interpret them Rather than go, oh my God, they don't like my work and I'm gonna defend all of this and everything or whatever. Um, No, how can I make it better? So that's what happens for me. I take a minute to digest the notes and then I go back and attack the rewrite myself. And, And based on not like every single thing that they said, but if there is a character that needs more work, then I need to do that. And sometimes it's easy to say to somebody, hey, I tried that, but that actually didn't really work and stick up for the stuff that you know is really true to your story. Um, So time away, working on another project, coming back to a project, that really helps me a lot too. And realizing this is a long game, and it's not like a sprint. um, Sometimes certain projects you won't make right away. Maybe it's not the right time, maybe it needs more rewriting, maybe you just need more life experience too. You may have started a script and 2017, and maybe it's not until 2021 that it's the time for that script. But have patience and work on other projects. That's what I would say because we're constantly evolving artists.
0: I also tell newer yeah. writers like get have multiple people read it because if you get the same theme over and over, that's an issue. If one yeah. person doesn't like your character, but no one else says that, then that one person just it's not the film for them. Yeah, so I always look for those themes. Yeah, like Anna, when I you guys are looking for a
2: rule of three. Yeah. If many people say that so and so or this or that or whatever sucks. Hopefully, you don't use the word suck. <laughs> I really need to look at that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anna, do you guys do you guys buy scripts outright, or you just um, how does your how does your company work that way?
1: Yeah. Um, so so Gunpowder and Sky does does buy scripts. Um, you know, and we and we also just pay to work with writers on different projects. You know, sometimes we'll um, you know uh, we'll I mean not full out like fully buy but you know for a period of time get the rights to the to a short film and then work with the filmmaker to adapt it or sometimes bring in a different writer to adapt it um so uh you know i i've been on the giving notes side a lot and um you know just to to add to what uh, camille is saying um you know also don't be afraid to ask the note giver questions so if they've given you notes and and you like and you're interpreting them one way but you're not sure if that's what they meant like don't be afraid to, to go back and, and see if like, if your interpretation was what they meant, you know, or like be, you know, be okay with, with chatting with the note giver, you know, like some of them won't have time to, to talk, it, talk it through, but a lot, of, a lot of people do have time to sort of talk through the notes with you and, and are willing to, to, you know, share more of their opinion if you're willing to hear it.
0: Jeffrey, you, you just, the film you just directed, I'm assuming you also wrote. Yes. So what was that process like for you? Like when did, when you decided you were going to do it, how long did it take you? I want, I want all the dirt.
3: Oh yeah. No, you know what? It, it's so funny in this business because, um, they say you've got to be willing to like put in 10 years of hard work on stuff. And, you know, if you have some success early on, you're like, oh, that is it. That rule doesn't apply. It was 10 years till the day I graduated that I sold final destination. Wow. most of my projects unless they've been like the sequel to final destination which the studio greenlit right after the first one opened so we went right into that one most of my projects you know some have been work for hires but other projects have been bought by one studio put in turnaround picked up by some producers then put back you know then other producers picked it up so it, there's a, it's a long process on so many films from getting from the page to the screen um good samaritan i'd say i've, I've um been with the producer, Andrew Vandenhouten on that one. I think it's been like 90, it was nine years. Um, And we almost had it going um, at a studio uh, two years ago. And uh, we went down, location scouted, cast the film, got back from location scouting and the production company was like, we're shutting down our our production company. It was a sports company that was getting into production. So we're like, yay. (laughs) then we just went out and and made it ourselves yeah it's like you know we're gonna quit waiting for
0: people to I think that that tends to be my way of always doing things like I can't wait any longer I'm, I'm dying I need to make something um Ash has a great question for you on that note um at what point do you feel your screenplay is complete I feel like I could take notes and rewrite forever but at a certain point I have to say it's complete and needs to be produced now how do I know when that point is
3: for me personally, because he absolutely right, you can rewrite a, I mean, scripts that are made, I go back and read them and I'm like, I could, I could still go back and be rewriting and then they're already made. Um, I think, you know, part of the note giving process, is I think you have to surround yourself with, with, with several key people that you trust who are A, going to read your work for the work that it is and not try to change it into like what they would have written. And you don't want to have the, one of those people be like somebody who hates everything and is just trying to always tear you down because you'll have those people in your lives. And you don't want it to be like your mom who loves everything that you do. <laughs> but you want, to find like, you want to find like a core group of people that you trust that know what they're talking about, that you know what I'm saying, that have your best interest and have the be- want to make the best script possible. And you'll get to a point with them where they're like, this is good. And then I think you're ready. It's, it's hard to tell on your own unless you've had at least some feedback, because I know, especially when you're early on in writing, it's still when you're, you know, no matter how long you do it, when you send a script off and you start, you get like eight pages of notes back, you know, your immediate reaction is like, and then you've got to start, you know, sifting through the notes to distill what they mean. So, but I think, I think you'll know what's ready. It's never going to be done. right? I think probably that's what, how, what we should say. It's no, the script could never be done because we could just keep, Tweaking it forever, but you'll know it's ready. I think when you feel comfortable with it and when you've had a good, you know A few enough professional trusted people read it who aren't stroking your ego who are like this is really solid
2: Yeah, gosh, he perfectly said like so much of what I was thinking and for me like being in writers groups has helped and that would be as Jeffrey said peers who have had some training in in the craft or are in a similar place as you, like again, because my mother loves everything, right? But then, you know, we do know that sometimes we have certain friends or just maybe down or whatever. But um, I do think it's a great idea and there has been great experiences for me where I've been with like four or five peers who are about the same place I I am in their career, maybe a little variation, who we're constantly giving each other notes um, and helping to perfect our scripts. And I like the whole ready, not done, Because as we know, and anybody should know this, whether you stay on the set or not, rewrites are gonna be done when your film is being shot. Uh, Oftentimes, sometimes the writer's actually there and they're like, things are changing and you're gonna rewrite that night and it's gonna be new pages for the next day or the director's doing tweaks and passes to your script while it's in principal photography and while it's in production. You know, and for many of us, we go and see our film at the theater. We're like, if I had just written
0: that <laughs> line of dialogue. Or uh, even worse, you go watch it, and you go, what the heck is this? This is not what I wrote. <laughs> how do you guys feel about rewrites? Because I do feel like every film, every film I've ever been on, they're all indies, of course, but I've always done a director's pass. And I'm not sure the writers are happy with that. Like, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean Oh, go, go ahead
3: Jeffrey. Yeah, we're so polite. We're saying so, we're at the same time. You go, you go first,
0: Mel. No. <laughs> They're both like, uh, I don't want to answer this because I want to be hired in the future. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I, I you know. We...
2: I've heard a theory that sometimes there's like great scripts that directors can actually elevate and actually, um, you know, I've sold a, a, a lot of scripts. I have one experience of a script actually going full throttle into a major production. I've done six independent short films, but I actually am very grateful that I believe our director elevated our material. She's a writer and director herself, and she has a great visual cinematic eye character. eye. and I look at that film and I'm like, Oh my God, I am so grateful that this director is the one who interpreted the material that we had. So it can be a positive experience. Um, you know, I, I actually think that the film, obviously, they're not going to let too many major changes happen once the film has been greenlit and set off. So the director hopefully is making some dialogue and nuanced changes that need to be done that hopefully will just make it higher.
3: Right. Yeah. And you, and you hope that. And, and, and from a purely business point of view, if you want to be a screenwriter, you just have to get used to it. That people are going to rewrite your stuff. Like it's just, it's just you know, they buy your script, they're going to rewrite it. Um, you hope that, and I've always been able to maintain a very positive relationship with like my directors and producers, so that they don't, they don't. Because I think when a director, the worst fear is that a lot of times they don't want writers on set because they're afraid the writer's going to be there contradicting them while they're filming and being like, well, that's not how I wrote the scene. So I kind of, you know, I'm like, look, I worked at a studio, I know, I know the drill. Like, you know, no ego on my part, but you know, so I've been fortunate to be able to do a lot of the rewrites myself with their notes. Um, and if, you know, in other times that I haven't, and as long as, if they make the project better, I believe it takes a team to make a, a film. Like I, I just take my, I learned to take my ego out of this process a long time ago. Um, so if, if an, an actor or a director changes line of dialogue that makes a script better, that just makes me look better, you know, and the movie better.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: When, when do the opposite, then that's kind of when you're like, oh.
2: We're always kind of struggling between our artist hat and our business person's hat and what he said is so true. Um, It's not about your ego. We can't be like these artists having tantrums. We want our material to speak for itself and the art to come through, but you want to be a part of a great team. I was rewritten on the Clark sisters. I've rewritten people before, you know, the director did a director's polish on the Clark sisters. So, um, with Ingenue, um Ellis, the actress, you know, um, they they uh, did a polish on it. So, um, you know, that that happens, and 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 the finished product is amazing. And it's a collective of people. There's not like an auteur, and we always think of like the auteur theory. There's one person who's just a brilliant genius who just makes the work shine. I really do feel that film is such a collaborative medium, and television as well. So. Um, it's it's actually a blessing and actually grateful that you have other talented people working with you Um may not be so great if whoever's like rewriting you or whatever is like maybe you feel like it's going another direction Um, but you still have to withstand those and keep moving to other great projects um
0: So anna there's some questions that have come in that I think I have one, I have a one fly. So I know I look like a crazy person right now. But it's, it's one fly. Um, there's a lot of people who are asking a lot of questions that kind of are pointed at you. But um, of course, Jeffrey and Camille, any experience chime in. Alan wants to know, is it important to get a literary agent to rep your script? If so, what's the best way? What's the best way of getting one to read one? Well, that's, you know, that's a whole different question, but do you do you take unsolicited scripts? Uh, Gum Patterns
1: Guy doesn't take unsolicited scripts. Um, although it, if we have a relationship with with the the writer, then we sort of do. But that's a, that's you know, it's someone that we've worked with or someone that already has a short film on on Dust or Alter. Um, in general, we'll only take scripts from people who have sent them through an agent or a lawyer. So you need you generally need an agent or lawyer to to. Send send out a script it's it's just sort of the the proper way to go about things it's also you know for the company that's sending it to you know they they face a lot of legal issues if it's not coming through and uh, through certain channels so um it's best to have that but you know if you can find connections uh, other ways um then then you can get scripts through uh without it but it it tends to be the best way to go
3: about it um yeah, yeah you
0: have a um, did you have a agent for final before final
3: destination? Um, no, I. Well, I, the funny thing is, I I wrote a spec script and and got an agent, but didn't take the spec script out because it was for an X Files episode. So I used that was my final destination feature. So I got an agent right before final destination, um, but she. I, I'm, i sorry but they weren't doing anything for me really Um, because I worked at Newline so I got the work myself I get that question all the time and and the thing is like it's hard to get an agent you know you can send the query letters out it's just they get so many at a time they you know most agencies have a full you know roster you know client list and they're servicing a lot of times their bigger clients and then the other clients aren't getting as as much attention as they need so it's hard to get an agent it's a catch-22 Um, I had a hard time getting an agent after Final Destination came out. You know, I had a friend hip pocketing me at CAA and got me, got me work. So, you know, I went out and looked for a manager, Um, but it's, it's tough. It's um, there's no like quick answer, you know, there's no easy answer. You can send out queries. But again, I think if there's any way to get your work done, especially like if it's a short, you know, that's written brilliantly, that can be your calling card that'll get an agent's attention. Like I think that, you know, it's, it's just hard to send query letters out. You can, you can query all day, but if you have something you can show, even if it's won some awards, you know, anything that'll get you some notice, I think will help you on that journey. You make that a little bit easier.
2: I know times when I've tried to either get meetings or get agents or what have you. Like for example, I was a um, semi-finalist in the Nickel Fellowship. I was two times semifinalist in the Sundance Writer's Lab. Um, And I've been able to use those over time. And that actually may open a door that might have not been open because they feel like that's quote unquote vetting. So for someone who's, I would definitely say if you're trying to start your career, you're probably more looking toward manager. Um, Most agencies days will just say, this is the catchphrase, we don't break new talent. So they're not quote unquote in the business of breaking new talent, a manager might do more so. Or maybe rate breaking or re-breaking. Maybe somebody has been, maybe they've been an editor. Maybe they've been a cinematographer. Maybe they've done something, but they haven't quite um, made exactly where they want to be yet. But I see managers doing it. And to be able to say that you've placed in a competition, South by Southwest, Austin Film Festival, any of these screenwriting competitions is going to really help you. You might get frustrated and be like, well, I submitted for those and I didn't win any or I didn't become a semifinalist. And I get that. That could be frustrating for some people, but you just have to realize we're in a very competitive field. So keep writing. you got to keep writing. Keep elevating your material, trying to make your material stronger. And keep trying to publish your name as, hey, this person wanted a film festival or they were a runner up or something like that, because that will help open some doors for you
0: uh vince would like to know do you think it's worth it to film a scene or a teaser for your projects anna that's actually probably a good question for you as well like does that help anybody get in to see you guys
1: uh yeah i mean it it certainly does does help because it it shows what you can do it also you know it's a good thing if you're if you want to direct also because it sort of shows that that like this is why i'm the only one that can really direct this story you know my my vision is uh is the only way that it should be um as for for you know having it on dust, you want more of a full story than than just a scene. Um, you know, for our audience, they they like an actual story, and to be able to show that you can contain a story as well as you can write an expansive story. You know, both are are good things to to be able to to show as um, as a writer. Um, but it's good to show what you can do
0: when you actually have something uh, filmed. Have uh, J- Camille or Jeffrey, have ed- any of you ever done a little piece of something to get something sold?
2: Like- I've done a concept trailer, almost sold this project to Freeform, didn't quite sell. I, this project is going to sell at some point. I had so much fun doing the concept trailer, though, and it really helped people to see the idea. So um, I'd say, yes, concept trailers. Um, it shows your voice. It shows your strength, as a, particularly as the director. Um, also the project so people can just get it right away from looking at it. Um, but also short films, short films are self, like the way I did my concept trailer, it's kind of a self-contained story with a short film. It's a self-contained story. You can tell a story in five minutes and make me laugh or make me sit on the edge of my seat or make me scared. Um, you got me, you know, and I've, I've had, I've seen it with friends there were, a, a, uh, there's a friend of a friend who did something called, it was with the lights and dark or something. They're like Danish. It's a Danish couple. I can't, did, do you guys know which one I'm talking <laughs> about? The little short horror film. And they got their feature uh, film. Light deal out? Lights Out? Lights yeah. Out.
3: Yeah.
2: Lights Out. Yeah. Thank you. whoever <laughs> it was. in the yeah. Lights Out. And they got their, and it's like four or five minutes. And they got their feature film deal off of it because it was creepy little short. So I can't say that enough. And you can keep working your, muscle, your filmmaking muscles too.
0: Um, so, okay. Diane would like to know, how would you suggest finding a producing partner? And I'm gonna assume she means somebody who is willing to make the script for you. Jeffrey, you actually just did that, right? To make your own, you got somebody to help you out?
3: Um, yeah, I had a producer, a um, friend of mine who I, I'd worked with for a long time. Um, I've had I've had a lot of producers attached to projects throughout the years, and sometimes, um, you know, they go places, and sometimes they don't. I mean, I think, I think it's important if you're looking for a producer to find a, a producer that kind of works in the world that you're writing for. So, you know, I, you know, I think if it's like if it's like an indie horror film, like look for indie horror producers that that do that. If it's a romantic comedy, if it's a drama, like find producers who kind of specialize in the genre that you've written for, and then I think you can hopefully reach out to them. They may be open to reading material. I think producers are are looking for good material. So you just have to do a lot of homework. And I do suggest, I just throw this out really quick. I know as artists, we want to show how, you know, versatile we are and that we can write everything. But because this is a business, I tell people that 10-year rule, because I feel like, you know, this, if you're going to do this, you have to be passionate enough about it to be like, I'm willing to dedicate 10 years of my life, at least to pursuing this. Like whether it's acting, writing, directing, anything, sports, you know, Um, but I think you also need to kind of figure out if, if I could only write one type of thing for like five or six years, what would it be? So that you kind of fix, you know, pick a genre that you really love. Uh, because if you sell that when I, you know, after Final Destination, people want, I I love horror. Like that's my jam. So I don't mind doing horror. Like I love doing it. But you know, when you get that first success, people are going to want more of that. And so if you come to them with a comedy, they just cross their eyes and fall over. Like they don't know what to do. Um, so you know i think pick a genre that you're ha- that you're happy with then find a producer who kind of works in that genre and specializes in it And there's a lot of producers out there that do that so
0: well the other thing too about finding producers is if you find some other producer who's young and hungry like if you're a young hungry screenwriter and you find that other producer you guys can take that hunger and feed into each other and push forward for as long as it takes to sell that script i mean I have plenty of people that, as a director, I've had scripts from, from writers that I love. And I, it's probably been 10 years with like my script, Deviled Eggs, from my friend Nicole. And I'm like, one day, I'm getting this made. You know? So like you just, if you have people in your cohort who just adore you and love you and you guys love each other, you can actually help push each other forward. And it's almost better than trying to get a producer who doesn't know you to give a crap, because that's a lot harder.
2: <laughs> well, a lot of our collaborators, we actually are meeting in film school or we're meeting when we're PAs. When we first started off, your friend who's a PA who wants to be a producer, you want to be a director, the other one wants to be a writer. Those are our collaborators. I mean, look at Spike Lee. He's worked with some of the same people that he started off with. Um, She's got to have it and do the right thing and worked with them over and over again. So we have to Think of like not only just always trying to reach toward the person who's the VP, senior VP, president or whoever, but sometimes looking around us and going who's passionate and who can help me raise $10,000 to make my first feature or whatever. That could be your friend and peer
1: more so than some big producer or whatever that you're trying to get to. Mm -hmm also networking just general networking networking events i mean things like black magic collective like you know anything that allows you to to network with other people in the industry is a good way to to find people that can that either are producers or that you can befriend that that might you know be able to help you on your way to to meeting a good producer that that you could work well with
0: in this in this covid world i know it can be very daunting but i think also following up with the people you if you, you watch a zoom You follow up in a friendly kind, don't ask for anything. Just tell, email Anna and say, you are awesome. More please, (laughs) start a relationship. Uh, And Marlin asks, isn't that the same approach for finding an agent, finding a young and hungry junior agent and creating a bond? I would say absolutely, for sure. Um, You never know, that's the thing about this town, you don't know who, who anybody's gonna be tomorrow. And it's always crazy to me if I call and I ask, you know, an agent for something and they're rude, I'm like, you have no idea if I'm directing the next Wonder Woman. You have no idea. Oh, yeah. You know, I find be nice to everybody. Just be kind to people. Yeah. Um Oh, go ahead, Jeffrey. Did you have something? I was going to do? say
3: that's a, that's kind of a general rule because you know the people that you step on on your way up are the people that are like you know waving at you when you come back down. Um, <laughs> but, but you really you really don't like it's you, you know I I think what um I think Camille said it like you know like even on sets you know i started off wanting to act back when non-traditional casting was not a thing um and they told me i was i was too much like an ethnic michael j fox and i didn't rap or play basketball so they didn't know what to do with me so you know fun times being an actor but you know even so that's what i really but i wanted to be in the business so i started you know I loved writing, so I started working in writing. But I did extra work on sets, and you know, did small things here and there. And I would just meet people, and you gravitate towards the genuine people. Like you can tell. Like I hate, I hate networking events where, like, I literally have people come up to me and say, "Hi, what do you do?" And you say what you do, you do and then they, they're obviously you can't, you you're not what they're looking for. Yeah, so they just yeah. to walk off. Oh yeah. Or they just walk around handing everybody cards. It's like that's not networking. That's yeah. just like.
0: And if anybody ever comes up to me and just hands me their card, I toss it. And that's yeah. just I think it's gross. It's I like, wanna just yeah. Be a it's human.
3: genuine connection. It's the genuine com- connections that you make while you're working or in your personal life that end up paying off the most. I, in my experience, it's been like, it can, it, you're absolutely right. It can be a PA on the set. It can be like a grip person, you know, that you start talking about horror movies and then, you know, a couple of months later he hits you up and says, like, Oh, my buddy is, you know, looking for a horror script. It's just being kind to people that you work with. Um, and and
0: you never know. I will tell you right now, you might meet somebody who say is a, a caterer but their friend actually asks for a they're like I'm looking for this certain script like holy moly I just met Jeffrey who has this script I'm telling you it's happened to me like you don't know who everybody knows everybody in this town um so okay Madison what if you have a script that's super timely but not quite perfect do you still try to sell it even though you know the script is not totally there yet but the idea is so I'm assuming timely meaning I I keep telling everybody don't everybody put your pencils down, stop writing your pandemic script. Nobody wants it. We've been getting them submitted to us. We don't, we're not taking them unless they're amazing and unique and outstanding, like stop. So if it's timely though, do you it's pitch all, it?
3: I would say creatively, I think good scripts are always timely. I, I found that, you know, you could make final destination today and it would be just as timely as it was in 2000. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't think you should go out with a script that's not as strong as you feel it should be, um, because you're giving people a reason to reject it, so they're not going to be like this concept is timely um, so I definitely think that you should wait till the script is ready um, and again, universal stories are always timely. I know there's always certain things that are happening now like with the pandemic and with the you know social movements about you know police brutality but it still takes a long time to get movies made. So I think you want to make sure your script's good. Before yeah. You it out.
0: And Anna, if I'm sitting in a room with you, for instance, and I pitched you a couple scripts and you're like, um, that isn't it, we're really looking for a script that, uh, I don't know, has zombie vampires. And I'm like, oh, I have this idea for one. Do I pitch it to you even though I don't have the script?
1: yeah um so you know you don't necessarily need a script uh, fully written to pitch but you you do want again you want you want to really know your idea and know the world that you're pitching you want to be able to answer questions that the person that you're pitching to is asking you you know and, and not be there on the spot being like, oh I haven't thought about that you know so anything that you're pitching you want a really good idea of, of what um, what the idea really is if you if you have a a pitch deck—that's really helpful too. You know, it's a good way to to also, you know, in terms of the timely thing. Just um, if you don't necessarily have to pitch with the script, but you can pitch the idea and explain explain why it's timely, but also explain the the themes of it, the ideas of it that that are overarching that will still be relevant even outside of this time right now um, and you know and that sort of gives you a little time to stall on on perfecting the script too um, but yeah i think the the most important thing is to really have a complete idea so if you're going to be pitching it um, make sure that, that you're able to really, like, have it thought through and able to answer the questions that whoever you're pitching it to is asked. And I would
0: assume, too, you already have plenty of samples that show you're good enough to write. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we, we trust your writing, so we know you're going to do this. Like, if Jeffrey yeah. pitches me something horror, I'm like, he's fine. Just let him write it. Yeah. I'm not going to read it. It's too scary. Um, really, <laughs> so John wants to know, if I have a script finished, um, what's my first step out if I'm new to it all? <laughs> Hopes and prayers and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what, if
3: you have a script finished, I mean, I think the first thing, the first thing you can try to do is I, I think enter some really good screen competitions like Nichols Fellowship, um, you know, Sundance, Sundance has a screenwriting. There's, there's a lot of good ones. I only go for reputable ones though. And you can find that, you can just Google on like the best screenwriting competitions online because there's so many scams out there and people trying to take your money. Um, so I think doing that is um, a good start so that way you can get some positive feedback on the script. Um, again, I'm, I don't know exactly what, like what the genre is, what the scope is, but I'm a big proponent of if if there's any way you can start trying to get a little team together to even make a short about it or do something to get it. I think that that would help immensely. But if, if you, from a solely screenwriting point of view, I think entering competitions is really good to start off with. Um,
0: how do you feel about script analysis, um, like script readers who analyze and tell you, do you use those ever?
3: Um, I, we used to use them at New Line a lot. Um, and I think they can be helpful, but the, the funny thing is you, ha- you have to understand, like I gave the same script to do different readers at New Line and got completely different coverage. One of them loved it, one of them hated it. So you're, you have to take into account that even though they're professionals, they're human beings. And so everything, you know, they have their own taste, they have their own, um, you know, style and there's things that they hate. So, um, but you know what, in in, in, offense, or in defense of that, like this, obviously the readers at the studio were film students who were probably just annoyed that they were having to be screened. So I think if you get a professional uh, screenwriter or reader to like read your script, I think that can be very useful um, as far as, like, you know, if there's any major structural things going on or if there's character things that you may want to look at and things like that, but you don't want to, you you do want to understand that, that 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 that's their opinion, so you should value it if if you can really objectively say this makes sense, um, but that but does that doesn't mean you have to rewrite your whole script based on stuff that they said because that's you'll give it to somebody else who'll have a completely different read on it. But um, we, I think Anna probably would have some good. We're pretty
0: much out of time, but I want to oh. get Xander's question in because it's a great one. Um, so the quick answer, Anna, if you want to answer something quickly, but what's the best way to make a good impression during a pitch, even if your project isn't what they need at the moment? Uh,
1: you know, I, I think um, always being really excited about what you're pitching and being able to relate it to yourself, you know, explain like why why it is that, that you're pitching it or why it is that you wrote it, um, you know, let people know like what it is that that related about it to you. But really, honestly, like having a really positive attitude with it and, and being excited while you're pitching, you want to engage the person that you're pitching to. And so, you know, if, if you can't like, get, if you can't get them engaged, then you, you've kind of lost immediately. Um, so, you know, read the room, but, but be excited. Just be like, not manic, but excited.
3: (laughs) I love it. And be yourself. Be yourself because they're going to, I've had meetings where the project wasn't right, but we really connected and they they were like, this is somebody I want to be in business with.
1: Mm -hmm. So
3: yeah, you want, you'll have a successful meeting if they like you when you leave the room. Um, It's really successful if they buy your script, (laughs) but, you know.
0: Um, Unfortunately, I'm not going to get to everybody's questions. Um, You guys have great questions, and I feel bad that we can't get to all of you, but uh, I do want to ask – how can someone? Because um, Marlon asked right away at the top of the hour. How can someone submit their short film to Dust? Uh, if you go to WatchDust.com
1: and go to the About section, there's um, there's a, a place there where you can a filmmaker place there where you can uh, submit links for for your script or, or not your script. Wonderful. Sorry, your short film. Yeah.
0: Um, and Ash Ashok, your your questions about pitching as well as uh, possibly Brandon's yours might be answered. Our last session we had a pitching seminar. It's on the website. So there's a lot of good information there to help you guys with those. Um, Thank you so much to Anna, Jeffrey, and Camille. You guys are just so giving of your time and just your information and your, I love it. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks for
1: having us.